a little mammal that is uh, called an tecumus. In the process of um, reproduction, that little mammal knows that at the point that he mates with a female, that he will die. It's not uh, anything he can do. The process, according to what I read about that little mammal, Tecumus, it's just the process of nature engaged so dramatically, so strongly, that actually it takes his life. He dies as a result of it. And uh, you think, boy, you might want to think twice. You would think you'd think twice before I engaged in anything that I know that once I engaged in it in a matter of an hour or two, that as a result of that, I'm going to die. And um, you look at that and you say, but he also knows and nature knows that in order for reproduction to take place, that's how it's done. There is an offspring as a result of his willingness to die as a result of having the moment of, of uh, uh, engaging in insemination. And it's an interesting thing. Death is a vital part of life. Did you know that? It's a vital part of life. There is a cycle of life. I read not long ago that a woman never gets closer to death than when giving birth to a baby. You never hear that talked about much, but that is a considerable amount of sacrifice on the part of any woman willing, of course, to give birth that her body goes through the stress and the tension of reproducing and having a child. This life in which we live has a cycle. The church had a cycle. The Old Testament is full of events that transpired God endeavoring to crown his people, the Jews, with crowns of favor. He gave them all kinds of promises. The problem is that as Jesus told his disciples, if you're going to follow me, you've got to die daily. You've got to pick up your cross and die. The challenge with the Jews, they, uh, they wanted the benefit of honoring God and the blessing of Jehovah, but they didn't want to die. They wanted to do their way, their thing. They wanted to control their circumstance and their life. And we know that at the whole process, that cycle was over and over and over again. And finally, we know today that as a result of that, Israel is attacked. A little nation there, of course, is the enemy of a great portion of the world in which we live. And yet we know that that's God's favored people. We absolutely know that. The book of Acts describes a wonderful illustration of what it meant to have death and what it meant to have life. And we know that in the book of Acts, if you read the book of Acts, the book of Acts is just that, a book of action. You see miracles. The book of Acts, of course, when it took place and actually became a reality, brought life to a struggling church that they thought was dead. 
It brought excitement. It brought, brought great expectation. There was revolutionary boldness on the part of those that were believers as Peter preaches in the books of, book of Acts. And to the believers who were once afraid, who thought everything was over, that death was on the horizon, and their major warrior that they looked at as Jesus had now been crucified, and they were filled with uncertainty, and they thought without a doubt that now their future was doomed for ultimate death. And Peter's preaching before the same crowd that he once feared something dynamic happened in his life. He had a renewal. He had a personal revival. He no longer is filled with fear. It was a result of the lesson that he learned. It was a result of the empowering of the Holy Spirit that came into his life. And he's preaching not with timidity. He's preaching with great authority. He's preaching with boldness. He's preaching under the anointing, and those that are listening are being convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean the Holy Spirit going right into their heart and pointing out the error of their ways, and Peter unashamedly is declaring the truth, and the truth moved into the lives of many. And something revolutionary everybody there knew was taking place. And fresh fire had fallen in Acts, the second chapter. And that was the promise of Almighty God in the Scripture. It was the promise of what Jesus said to that church when they were struggling. There is a time that's going to come, and you're going to be endued with power beyond anything that you could ever imagine. And there is more to come. Peter steps out in the middle of that, not knowing what would happen, not knowing if he would get results, not knowing if it was the right thing to do as far as culture is concerned, but it is something that he had to do. He had to be obedient to God, had to be obedient to his calling, had to step out and put his life on the line, and knowing that if he stepped out and preached this group of individuals that had been against and a part of the crucifixion of Jesus, it may just mean his life ends. But there's some things that's worth dying for. Somebody say amen. So we know that he stepped out of the circle, imagining out of the shadow, and began to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now hope is born in the heart and in the lives of those who were afraid, who had faced a death-like circumstance, and he brought fresh breath into that group. And very carefully, here's what Peter is doing to every person that's listening. He's sharing them the process of what it takes for death to become life. What is the process for death to become life? Death. It's a final word. My friend Billy Glover died today at about four o'clock. That's it. No more life here on earth as he knows it. Acts 2.23, Peter is preaching. Listen carefully and see if you can hear what he says. This man, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose. Jesus he's talking about. 
was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. So I want to pause there. Peter's saying that whatever happened that you now know, because the crucifixion is now behind us, and you saw it, and you heard it, and you understand it, but listen carefully. It was not your idea. This man was handed over to you by God's divine will and God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And then to notice carefully, and you, and you with the help of wicked men, you did it with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. That's the threshold of a new beginning. Just 53 days before this time, the believers were facing their most difficult test of all time during the three years of ministry that Jesus enjoyed. Now, Peter is preaching. He's beyond the feelings of denial. He's beyond the guilt. He has had that moment in which Jesus has said to him, Peter, do you love me? And he says it in three different ways and three different times. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. It's this same man that's now preaching the word of the living God. And yet we know that he denied even knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And what that means to me is thank God, God is a forgiver of our trespasses and our sins. And if in fact we are willing to die as a result of that forgiveness, God will not discard us and put us on the junk pile, but will set us front and center and say, now you know what it took to get you that forgiveness. Now do everything that you can to declare the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, don't hide your light. Don't hide your light. Let it be seen by all those that are there. 53 days before this time, we know as Peter is preaching, the devil's attack was upon the believers were unprecedented. Unprecedented. Jesus preached in that period of time between the crucifixion and when we find ourselves, as I relate in the book of Acts in the second chapter, we know they had seen many, many miracles. We know they had great faith as long as the miracles kept coming. We know they had high hopes. And they thought this Jesus, this miracle worker, this man who turns water into wine, there is great potential in him. And he was the light. He carried the torch. No one totally understood what was going on with him that in a matter of hours, one long night and day, that was snuffed out. Their expectation of victory, their expectation of a king is now dashed. And they look and see a dead man's corpse as he's taken off the cross and placed in a barred tomb. And they know that he was crucified in only the way a slave would be crucified. And that is that crucifixion of death for the lowest poorest, making an example of Jesus' death to all. At that moment, they're filled with fear. I've dealt with a lot of families who lost a loved one that might be the main player in the house. I've dealt with ladies who lost their husband who, who felt like, what do I do now? We understand that 
that was the security, the safety, the, and you've had to go through that. You know what that's like. You know what it's like, some of you out there, to say, well, we had a little spending money, but, but something happened and things crashed and lost the job and we lost our house, lost our car, lost all that. You know what that death feeling feels like in life. And it appeared that three years of sacrifice were down the tubes and it was death, the death of their dreams, and death appeared to bring an end to any hope they might have. Some of you have been there. You have faced the powers of what seems to be no hope for tomorrow, no future, no good outcome, no positive outcome. Some of you have gone through that death experience and you're trying to rebuild. And things aren't the same as they were before. Some of you have gone through that and you cry and you pray and you weep and you wonder, God, are you going to answer prayer? You begin to have a different perspective of God before when you had everything in order like you felt that, boy, this is the life. And ever since then, it has not been the same and it causes you to lose a proper perspective. God, do you really love me? Do you really care about me? The enemy will mess with your mind and cause you to look at other individuals and do a comparison, which the Bible says stringently, do not do that. But in this moment, if all you can see is death, all you can experience is no dreaming here. All you can experience is, hey, that which we depended upon is now gone. Now what do we do? Here's number two, the grave is a place of restructure. You see, in order to really live, you have to die. In order to really live, that butterfly does not get so beautiful without a death. The problem is, and I understand it, we don't like dying. Because we don't understand truly and grasp what it means to die. And may I suggest to you that far too many professing believers are only half dead. And you know what? Being half dead is the most miserable life that you can live. You can't stand up straight. You can't walk right. You can't think. You can't see. Your greatest appointments of the week are the doctor's. You've got one problem after another. You get it resolved and you think, this is no life. You become confined to the bed. This is no life. And I've heard individuals say, Lord, take me on. I'm ready to go. I've reached that stage. I don't want to live anymore. Why? Because being half dead is a miserable circumstance. But when you face those things, you want to know, may I recover so Acts 2.24, preacher Peter is preaching again, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible, impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Why? Because the life giver, the giver of life had control of the timing of death. There are many times in our lives that we experience downturns. 
There are many times in our life that we experience, man, my fantasy, my dream just turns sour. Many pains that go along with living, continuing to move forward. We understand that Peter's preaching and said, but God raised him from the death and freed him from the agony of death. And there's a promise for us because God had a purpose even though death had come. But they didn't get it before it happened. And God had a purpose and allowed the devil to help him accomplish it. So God with foreknowledge turned him over to wicked men and you assisted the wicked men in taking his life. But it wasn't news to God that that's what would take place. And God had a purpose even though the unbelievers did not know it. He still had a purpose. Those individuals that cried crucify him, crucify him, had no idea that they were flowing in the ultimate plan of God. They had no idea in their anger and in their resentment and their loud voice that what they were doing was simply fulfilling the will of God in life. And may I suggest to you, please never lose hope when you trip up or you fall down. Never lose hope when that death knock seems to come to you in some area of your life. Let me suggest to you this. God always has a higher plan and a higher purpose. If you pay attention and instead of turning your guns and beginning to curse God and becoming becoming a, an unbeliever and continuing to hold on to your faith. Say, God, I don't know why you're doing this, but I know this. You love me so much. You let me walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I am not going to stand there. You protect me. You love me. You guide me. You are my tomorrow. You are my shining light. And when we understand that, I'm telling you that in our lives, sometimes God has to expose us the things like Peter was exposed to, do you know him? Nope. Are you sure you don't know him? No, I sure don't. All through that process, God was saying, I'm just kind of molding your personality. I'm molding your self-centeredness. I'm molding your pride. I'm molding you, Peter. You don't even know it, but it's happening without your knowledge. God had a purpose that only faith could embrace. Death would begin the process for a better plan. It always happens. Why would Jesus say, hey, deny yourself, die unto me, and take up your cross? Why? Because he knew the power of death. It brings life. The grave was the place where God was doing some miraculous things. And those of us who go through these challenges, we know that those hard places, the grave in this case was the place where God was molding, where God was healing, where God was redirecting, where God was refocusing, where God was redeveloping, where God was maturing and energizing that person for the plan that would only come through Jesus Christ. And so we go through those cycles we go through those periods of times. It gives us great testimony. And let me suggest something to you. If you've gone through rough places and you have never shared your testimony about how God brought you out, shame on you. Shame on you. Well, I don't want anybody on a shame on you. God has brought you through. The grave is that place where God has my attention. 
He has my attention. It's getting the devil's attention and preparing me for the next step in my life. In those times, it determines my next level of potential. I need you, Father. I don't have access to my phone. I don't have access to another appointment. I can't make it. I'm too weak. But God, all I have is you, and I've got time on my hands. Come, Holy Spirit, into this situation and renew me, revive me. Give me something that I did not have before this took place. Let the Holy Spirit breathe fire into your life. And if you're too busy, if you're too busy, then listen carefully, friend. You're missing out on a fabulous life in Jesus Christ. The church had experienced death. But 50 days prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit was that grave experience for the church. Now, did Jesus hide it from them? No. They had a promise, but they didn't believe it. He said, hey, this temple's going to die. Three days it's going to come again, and it's going to be totally rebuilt. Do you believe it? We don't know what you're talking about, and we don't believe it. They had instruction. Would they follow it? Go there. Bunches and hundreds of you to that upper room. You stay there and you tarry. And by the end of the day, only 120 remained up there. Look at the masses of people that went up and stood there and were not patient enough to stick with it. They had the instruction, but they didn't have any, have any intention of following it. It did not fit the plan they were to pray and seek God. Pray, 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 seek God, pray. There's an area as we pray tonight in just a few minutes. You pray, you pray, we seek God, pray, seek Him because God speaks. And they were to rest in the unity of the Spirit. Just rest in the unity of the Spirit. Wow, they were to wait, just wait. Sharon and I were watching television together the other day. Seems like it's not too long ago. And it started raining. And she said, put the television on mute. Okay. It was like a Hallmark movie, which was fine with me. I muted it. Why? Let's just listen to the rain. Let's just hear the rain. Let's hear it hit the windows. Let's hear it pitter patter on the roof. Let's watch the palm tree outside begin to sway. The quietness. Listen, friend. When the Holy Spirit begins to move, be sensitive enough to put your life on mute and say, Let me hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. God, what are you saying into my life? And God will. Death was the initial impact of a bad situation, but the grave is the process which life could be born. And then finally, resurrection meant a new beginning. How many has ever gone through a rough, rough patch and you came through it victoriously? Amen? Yeah, sometimes you have the scars. Sometimes you have the memories. But you came through victoriously. And that's what God promises. I'll bring you through if you pay attention. Acts 2.27. 
because you will not, this is David now, way out of the Old Testament, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. David said way back then, as he predicted the resurrection hundreds of years before it happened, Jesus predicted the resurrection and ascension well before it happened. And the world would say about the resurrection and, and the ascension, had they been a part of it, something like, well, it's party time. Here's something supernatural that's about to take place. This is something unusual. We have worked and planned and prayed We've come through death. But oh, I hear the sound and the mighty stirring of a wind. And I see fire as it begins to set on the heads of those that are there. This is spectacular. This is something we have not seen before. It was unbelievable. It's called the resurrection. And then he said, and I will, after the resurrection, visit, visit with hundreds of you. But there will come a time in Acts, the first chapter, when you're going to see me literally in the ascension and headed up to be at the right hand of my heavenly Father. And when the ascension took, it said they stood in awe and looked and thought, wow, this is something we have never seen. And what did he say to them? Don't get used to that. Listen, get out there and go to work. Don't be in so awe that you shifted to neutral and let everybody you know, hey, the death time is over. Jesus went to the cross. The tomb time is over. He spent three days there. And now the resurrection and ascension has taken place, which spells life in every way possible. And you and I, the church of Jesus Christ, was born out of that death experience. That's why the church is so powerful. That's why the church is so important. That's why the church is so precious. It is the outburst of what happened with Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection and then his ascension. The church of Jesus Christ was born and he said, and this church, hallelujah, will not be demented. It will not be weak. It is my church and the gates of hell will never be able to prevail against that which is born out of a death experience. So we must, not, we must not live like that we are dead to the will of God. We must live like we have the resurrection power that's in us. We understand the day of Pentecost was the event that caused the angels to declare the devil thought he was dead. It's over. I've been there. We were getting ready to build this building, or we were in the building. We had a patch in which, well, cost was more than what we anticipated. And the builder and the architect called. I've said this before. Some of you have been here a while, you know, in Akron, Ohio, at Emerge Counseling Center. And I got the word, hey, we're... Uh, we're going to have to uh, do something different because it's costing more than we anticipated. Uh, to me, that was a death experience. That was, oh, Lord, what in the world am I going to do now? 
I have coached and preached and said in faith and said God will supply. He'll meet every single need. But that phone call wasn't somebody calling to say, we're going to give you a million bucks. It was a phone call that says you're going to have to build out a segment of it. That didn't set right with me. I'm going to build. No, I'm not building out. We're building. We're building up. And I sat there. Sharon was there. Dan was there. So, well, we're going to do something. We're going to believe God. We're going to believe God. Let's see what can happen. And I'm telling you, when we decided to believe God, I remember when it happened. It was like the Holy Spirit came down and said, hey, (laughs) you can either believe the report if you want to, or you can remember that I told you to build, and I gave you the mission and gave you the plan, and the people are with you. Don't turn back now. And we went forward. Amen? As a result, somebody stepped to the plate and dropped one point three million dollars on us and said you don't have to build out now here's the money to get the job done somebody say amen 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 you say you get a little excited how wonderful is that always those tests always understand that the devil thought he was dead the devil thought that he could keep jesus in the grave but it already been stated no just three days The devil thought the followers were finished. They'll lose hope. We're going to take them out, behead them, slaughter them one by one. Going to let y'all watch. And he thought they're finished. He did not know that God had a third gear. Amen? He did not know that on on the column of that 57 Chevy, you had first and you had second, but there was a third gear that you went into and it was roll the windows down and let her fly. And then that third gear hit when Acts and the Holy Spirit fell down. I'm telling you the followers that the devil thought they're washed up God shifted into third and said, no, here's the arrival of the third person of the Trinity. Hallelujah. He's the comforter. He's the power. He's the voice. He's in control. And he's sent as a part of the Godhead. Watch what will happen. Peter stands up and he preaches. And to his surprise, thousands of people come to faith because the Holy Spirit was doing the work that could only be accomplished when a church became dead and were willing to be resurrected resurrected and come to life again and the devil did not count on he did not count on the resurrection nor did he count on the ascension but god in his infinite plan he never thought for one moment that in one minute's time or less the holy spirit with fire fell on 120 and that 120 ignited a fire that is still alive let me encourage you weary pilgrim saint of god amen be on fire make your mind up you say i'm going through the death experience right now go ahead and breathe the last breath because you'll never have a resurrection until you do.
So just go ahead and give your life up. Give it up to Jesus. Don't be half dead. Everything I got, I'm going all the way. Because the minute you make that decision and death hits you, hallelujah, I can tell you the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost will fall on you and you will come to life and you'll begin to experience things you thought were never possible. What did it do? It filled them with boldness and brought faith again. It restored hope. Signs and wonders were at their hands and the church grew by the thousands. And it said in Acts 2.43, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. The believers, though, had to die. The grave was tough. It was tough. But when the Holy Spirit fell, the believers ascended from the depth of defeat to the height of victory where there is no end. Your highest achievement today is nothing compared to the achievement God has for you tomorrow or next week or next year. Amen? You look at these cards and you say, we've done this over and over and over again. And it's kind of like God saying to us, go to that upper room and wait there. You see, they didn't go and say, we're, we're going to be here until the results. Many left. Here's what we do. We just plant the seeds and we believe at any moment the presence of the Holy Spirit can light up one of those cards or that person that is represented or that family or that wife or that separation or whatever, and God can give a miracle. That's our response. Amen. Would you stand? Let's give the Lord a clap offering together, shall we? Amen. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for your power. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your anointing. I pray in the name of Jesus that a strong, strong touch of your Spirit would rest upon us. I pray for those whose hearts may not be right with you, Jesus. I pray for those online who's not sold out yet. I pray for those in this room that may be struggling and they're doubting their faith and doubting whether or not what I've said tonight under the anointing is really true. Can it happen to them? Can they come through? God, I pray in Jesus' name. I know my youngest daughter, Lori, had that death experience, but Satan could not hold her in that death experience because there was life and a promise and a future, and an anointing of God that said, no, not now. Hallelujah. And we together give God the glory and the honor. So, Lord, since we have been blessed with so much and experienced so many miraculous things, we're going to tell the world, God, if you did it once, you can do it again and again and again and again. And, God, we're not going to live like we're half dead we're not going to think thoughts that, woe is me, we're going to rise above it and say, I know a resurrection day is coming. And God, I know that the power of the blood of Jesus Christ is going to cover me. Just in case somebody's here tonight that's not right or those of you that might be listening, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer. Would you do that? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus forgive, me. forgive me. I have sinned. I have sinned. 
I need redemption. I need your favor. I need forgiveness. So I confess with my mouth that I have failed. But tonight, I believe in you. So Jesus, take my life. Take my heart. Take my future. And use it as you choose. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 As we worship, would you come and would you aggressively take time to pray would you take those cards as if you have the authority in which the Bible says you do and would you speak Jesus name over them would you declare the enemy will lose his grip and that the power of healing will in fact move in behalf of many of these cards in your hands is the power to see a miracle friend as we worship we'll call you back in a few minutes everybody <laughs>